Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy, especially when it comes to the care you need. So let's talk about you, about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Let's talk about your needs now and for the future. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. It starts with a phone call. Call 866-420-5330 or visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today. Blog Talk Radio. We've got to be the body to rock it like we're never going to see it again. We are exploding. The world is going to know it. we rock it like you're never going to see us again. Come on over. Come on over. And a good evening to you all. It is 11 p.m. and Pure Gold is live on the air once again for this Tuesday night, March 18th, 2014. One day after St. Patrick's Day and one day before my day, St. Joseph's Day. That's right, folks. I am the saint, and we will be talking to the devil himself. He is my co-host, David Gomez. Sir, how are you? Whenever you want to feel like introducing yourself, sir, that'd be good. Folks, good evening. Pay no attention to my partner. He is an ignorant buffoon. And, of course, you are listening to the greatest show ever, Pure Gold. Check us out, folks, puregoldpg.com. And, of course, if you'd like to be a part of the show, all two of you that are listening, 714-364-4721. Now, back to the scum bum of all scum himself, my co-host, JB. Thanks, Satan. I mean, Dave, um, tonight on the program we'll be talking uh, heavily on wrestling, of course, because we are on the road to WrestleMania as crappy as the card is shaping up to be. As we discussed last week, we'll be talking about wrestling, especially last night's Raw. We'll talk about the network a little bit more, how they haven't added much content, which is kind of annoying me. And again, WrestleMania is only about, what, less than three weeks away, and we'll have a special guest tonight. Um, unfortunately, we had a guest already booked, but we had to tell him that, uh, you know what, get to, um, you know, you don't have to come on to the show this week. You'll come on next week because we have a lot of guests tonight. I guess we have Pat from, from where, sir? Where's Pat from? Pat, for those of you who don't remember, is one of our old co-host buddies. Uh, not co-host as in JB, but co-host as in a fellow host on 1640 AM in Newark, King Firehawk of the King Firehawk and Three Kings show. And, of course, Joe would forget because Joe is too busy caring about himself to care about anybody else, folks. That's nothing new. That's right. So, all right, Satan, calm down. So we will have Pat on from, uh, we'll reminisce from the 1640 days, the good old days. Well, that lasted about about four weeks in total. But anyway, we'll be talking about Raw with him. We'll talk about some wrestling. So last night on St. Patrick's Day, the day where um, Amer- yeah, the day where Americans feel like they could get trashed um, publicly and make a fool of themselves, um, thank God it's on a Monday where... It wasn't on a weekend where, you know, more things could happen. So St. Patrick's Day was last night. Monday Night Raw was last night. And I guess the only big topic of last night's Monday Night Raw to discuss is the fact that Triple H is making or trying to sell hard this whole Daniel Bryan angle on how 
He's not going to beat him at WrestleMania. He's not going to be in the triple threat. And then the biggest stipulation of them all is that Triple H has said that if one, when he beats Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania, he will be in the triple threat. He will be in the main event at WrestleMania for the World Heavyweight title. Sir, take it away. Let me know your thoughts on the big developing story from last night. Um, I think that the WWE, like you said, is really pushing hard. They're pushing this Triple H story. Um, I mean, yesterday was really the Daniel Bryan and Triple H show. I mean, you know, this story was supposed to go to someone else, but, of course, that person quit like a punk, and now Daniel Bryan is being forced to, you know, to take this. So I'm not really sure, sir. I don't know where this is going. I mean, clearly we're, we're assuming that Daniel Bryan is going to win both matches at WrestleMania, but, I mean, there's also a good chance that he loses and gets fired. So who knows, sir? I mean, you tell me. I know that you're uh, you're, you're this huge wrestling fan who is always negative about everything. I'd rather hear your take, to be quite honest with you. Well, at least they made it seem believable. Last night you had Triple H cut this pretty good promo in the beginning. He talked about how he has a champion that is unsure of himself and has psychological problems. talks about Batista, who's a guy that came back for what? And fans are booing him. And, uh, you know, it, he made it pretty realistic, which I enjoyed. I enjoyed that aspect of it. And I, I really think that they played off really well towards the end, too, of the show where they had they made – you believe that Stephanie and Triple H were having some quarrels within the family, and it was all just one big setup to have Daniel Bryan just get the living crap beat him out of him. I mean, the guy was handcuffed for about a good 10 minutes, and Triple H just destroyed him from pillar to post, uh, pedigreeing him, um, just you know, just whipping him like a government mule. I kind of like that aspect of it. It makes it a little bit more believable. So um, if, if anything... Um, I'm now a little bit more intrigued, but unfortunately, like you said, there's a chance that Daniel Bryan might lose. I don't see it happening, honestly. Uh, Daniel Bryan, it would make no sense at this point for Daniel Bryan to lose to Triple H and then to lose at the main event. I think he's going to carry the title. You're looking at the new Stone Cold Steve Austin of the era, of whatever era we're in. I don't even know what era we're in, but I think Daniel Bryan is going to keep that title after WrestleMania. He's going to keep it for a while. Well... I mean, first of all, if he loses to Triple H, he's not going to be in the main event, so I don't know what you're talking about. And second of all, I mean, I guess this would be the PG John Cena era, and as far as Daniel Bryan being the next Stone Cold, uh, I don't know about that. I know he's pretty popular now, but I'd like to see what happens when he wins the title if the popularity will continue. Because normally it's the chase that people get involved in, which is why Stone Cold was always chasing the belt, and his title reigns never really lasted that long. Fans are more into that than anything else, but I guess we'll have to wait and see where this goes, but... I mean, do you think it's overkill, sir? Do you think they're just beating this thing to death? I mean, this storyline with him and Randy Orton and, uh, you know, having the, being screwed out of the title has been going on for, for quite a while, sir, especially in the era that we live where everybody has a, a short attention span. You know, it's not like old school wrestling. I mean, do you think it's just been taken for too long? I don't mind it, to be honest with you. I think it makes it more realistic, the fact that Triple H, I mean, they're playing the whole role, they're playing the whole angle that Daniel Bryan is a B, a B player. He's he just doesn't have the build to be a main event, a guy that, that will carry the belt and be the face of the franchise or face of the company, if you will. So I like the aspect of it. I like the fact that Triple H is calling out Randy Orton, who has really just some mental problems. I mean, if he didn't have the mental problems that he had or just was able to cut a good promo, I think that Randy Orton would be a decent wrestler. He's got the build for a, a main event. You know, He's got the build to be a world heavyweight champion, but... Somebody like Daniel Bryan, what I would have liked last night, actually, to go full-blown heel with Triple H, I would have loved to end 
the night with uh, him being handcuffed and just completely obliterated, which he was. But then Triple H calling like the barber and just actually shaving that beard off of Daniel Bryan and make him clean cut for this WrestleMania. That would have been good. Well, part of the reason the fans like him is because he looks like a homeless person. So I'm sure that would have uh, he would have lost some of his appeal with his fan base there if, if he didn't have that ridiculous beard. Although I mean he was pretty popular, you know, beforehand. But apparently this is it, sir. This is uh, the big deal. He's got a thick, gross-looking beard. It's funny because I was watching my wife a while back, and um, she was saying how you know it just didn't look realistic, and how Triple H looked like he'd beat the crap out of uh, this, this homeless bum, and you know why wasn't he fighting him or So you know to have a non-wrestling fan say that it goes to show you that yeah Daniel Bryan appeals to the wrestling, the hard worker wrestling fan, but he's not going to have that Steve Austin appeal. He's not going to have that rock appeal. He's not going to. He's not going to have that type of appeal, you know, which is what my wife and I were discussing, you know, several weeks ago. And uh, I don't think that – I think it will carry over for the, the big wrestling fan. But, I mean, that's not the segment that the WWE is really going on this day. No, I understand the chase and the whole fact that when there's a baby face, the chase is the the best part of the whole storyline. But I think it's it's about time that the fans – you know, like we're used to WrestleManias where the good guys always lose – uh, the good guys always win, but lately it's it's been uh, a mixed bag where like the heels sometimes win to end a pay-per-view. I think it's about time we go old school at WrestleMania 30 where it all begins again and again and again, uh, where the, the face finally goes over and wins the title. I think that the fans will like it uh, down in Louisiana. I mean, he fits right in with that beard. That's why I thought it would have been good to shave it off. So I think that the, the, the storyline's progressing. Unfortunately, sir, we have another three weeks of this um, storyline to develop. I mean, last night, honestly, should have been the night before or the Monday before WrestleMania because I don't know what else you could possibly do to Dan Bryan uh, for the next three weeks unless you keep him off the air, uh, give him a couple weeks off, and then just have him show up at WrestleMania because he's so, quote-unquote, hurt after what Triple H did to him. Yeah, honestly, I don't know. I don't know what the plan is here or, or where they're going, but uh, I guess we'll have to wait and see. I mean, it's just you know, it's tough for us, honestly, folks. I mean, we talk about wrestling all the time, but we also you take a big old dump on it half the time, and you know, we are pretty much just super negative fans, and we look at wrestling one way, and then you have other fans who look at wrestling a different way, and you know, they try to see the positive in it, and they try to stay excited about it, and. I guess, you know, those are the fans that I don't understand. I'm, you know, waiting for Pat to call in here, but I mean, Pat has a different take on it than we do, so I'd like to hear that. But, I mean, is there anything else noteworthy about uh, what's been going on in wrestling fans, you know, from your perspective? Well, what's interesting, um, what's not interesting, I'll be honest with you, being the negative person I am, what's not interesting is this whole storyline that's further in between Bray Wyatt and John Cena. I mean, He's talking about the, you know, just destroying everything that John Cena is about, and you know, this reminds me too much of 1980 stuff when you know it was Hulk Hogan, and whoever he was facing at the time, whatever heel he was facing, if it was Sergeant Slaughter representing Iraq or um, even Undertaker representing, you know, death and everything like that. I, I just don't buy this whole Bray Wyatt John Cena thing, and you know what? At this point, what's going to actually happen at WrestleMania is John Cena going to lose a match at WrestleMania to Bray Wyatt? I honestly don't think so. Not at WrestleMania 30, the biggest WrestleMania. So he's going to beat Bray Wyatt, and that feud should be honestly over with. I think it's the the feud, the angle itself, to me bores me. It, it makes it makes sense in terms of just you know because we have to put John Cena in somewhere. I mean, you should put him in the Battle Royal. 
him feuding, I know you totally disagree with me, but I, I want to hear your point on this because I totally can't stand this whole angle between John Cena and Bray Wyatt at this point. Well, I know you've What is it exactly you can't stand is the fact that, you know, you're not really a fan of Bray Wyatt, you don't think he's on Cena's level. I mean, what's the, what's the deal with that there? Well, it's it's typical heel face things leading up to the biggest pay-per-view of the year where I think that, you know, the Wyatt family will get the better end of him throughout these Raws the next couple of weeks, and then John Cena will just do his Superman thing and beat Bray Wyatt. I mean, do you honestly, honestly, honestly think at WrestleMania 30, the biggest WrestleMania of the year, uh, biggest pay-per-view of the year, that <laughs> yeah, John Cena will lose? Of the year. You got that right. No, you got it right there. It is the biggest WrestleMania of the year. Go on. I think it is... Uh... I don't think he's going to lose, but how great would it be to see him lose, sir? <laughs> That's what I want. I mean, how awesome would it be to see Cena lose? The fact that he's not in the main event is awesome. No title on the line, but for him losing, that would be awesome, sir. At this point, uh, I don't I don't understand why, even even if he did lose a match at WrestleMania, the guy wins so many other matches. His winning percentage is probably the best. Besides Undertaker's winning percentage at WrestleMania, being undefeated, um, John Cena's just overall winning percentage is, is ridiculous. So a loss at WrestleMania, ooh, we're going to be like, oh, he lost. And guess what? A month later, somehow he's going to finagle his way into a title match. So, I mean, even if he loses to Bray Wyatt, it makes no sense. That's why this this whole feud, to me, has no sizzle, no no meat to it, because no even if Cena wins or loses, it makes it doesn't do anything to his character. It does nothing to him. We know that the only thing that would change John Cena right now is a full-blown heel turn. And at this point, you're not going to be able to see that since he's feuding with this, this Wyatt family, a, a three-person faction. And let's go, you know what, I'm done talking about John Cena and this faction because it's retarded. <laughs> let's talk about the other three-man faction that's turning face, which makes no sense to me at all. I mean, you were talking about the Shield ready to break up. You were ready to talk about Roman Reigns ready to go on to a singles career that probably would have been a great singles career. Now you're talking about the Shield, a face Shield. Uh, what is the point, sir? If I found the clip I, I would be playing, what is the point? Um, I think... And that was a disgrace. I don't think they know what they're doing as far as the, the Shield and the Wyatt family. As far as the Shield goes, sir, I, just, I don't think they know what's going on, you know? I really think that when we look at what's going on, when we look at the deal, when we look at the, uh, you know, the facts of the facts and the numbers don't lie, sir, um, at the end of the day, I think that the WWE does not know what to do with this team, so they're stuck kind of regurgitating and repeating and repeating and, you know, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. I don't think they really know what's going on. So, I mean, what are they going to do at WrestleMania? You know, they're not going to have a, a la, what, what the hell was that stupid faction, um, the legacy. If they're not going to have a, you know, triple threat where they all just fight each other. I don't see what else these guys are going to do at WrestleMania, so I think they're turning them face because they don't know what to do. I mean, I'm, I don't see the big deal about Roman Reigns, honestly. I'm, you know, I'm a fan of Seth Rollins. I think the universe was good. But I, I don't see Reigns as being all that great, but everybody thinks he's awesome, of course, because he's the big guy in the group. You know, I don't think he cuts a great promo, but, you know, it is what it is. You know, what, what the hell do I know? But at the end of the day, people are looking at this, and they're saying, well, you know, the Shield has got really, nothing really going on, so let's do this. I mean, you know, they turned on Kane, right? So I guess that's kind of where they're going. I guess they're going to have a feud. I mean, who knows? Maybe Kane and the Wyatts are going to team up. The other two Wyatts are 
maybe Kane and the tag team are going to fight the Shield at WrestleMania. I mean, that's probably where they're headed, just to give Kane a WrestleMania match and to get the Shield in there, sir. What do you think? I mean, you should have had this storyline brewing since Survivor Series. You could have had this team pretend they're not on the same page all throughout, and they could have just blew up on each other at WrestleMania. I don't see why these guys can't go on to a singles career, all three of them. I know Roman Reigns, I'm talking about Roman Reigns, but you know the other two guys, Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins, those guys, they could definitely go on to a singles career. They just need to end this faction because... There's no need for a three-man faction when there's no way to feud against. I mean, they feuded against the Wyatt family last um, last pay-per-view, I think it was, Elimination Chamber, and, and that was the end of the feud. I mean, if you're going to build this feud up between the, the only two three-man factions that you have, you have a blow-up feud and have it, like, you know, end at WrestleMania, and at that point you have the Shield break up because they're not on the same page. For them to go face all of a sudden... Just, you know, I, I don't think Triple H, I don't think the Monkey Writers, I don't think Vince really get, um, they don't know what to do. And they could have just went typical storyline where the, the the group breaks up and they go their own separate way, which happens all the time. Instead, they make them a face. And, I, like, who are they going to feud against after WrestleMania? I guess they're going to fight Kane in some capacity again. But then again, then again they, they fought him recently. So I don't think they have a role anymore. And when you have no role, you're not relevant. To make this 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 group of faces horrendous, completely horrendous. Well, again, I mean, they need something to do at WrestleMania, right? You got to have these guys involved there somehow, uh, you know, correct? Well, enter the thirty-man Andre the Giant Battle Royal. Have them feud. Have them be the last three people in the ring. I don't know. Do something like that. There's no reason why they need to come in as a face group against. I don't know who they they're going to go against. Yeah, I'm not really sure what the what the deal is there. Um, let's see. Uh, Pat says, <laughs> says he'll be calling in soon. Apparently, you know, Pat was taking a nap, so that, that should be good. Oh, <laughs> wait. Pat, Pat, Pat's letting me know that he was at 1640 today talking to Alvaro about getting us back on the air, and that's going very well. So soon we might be on the air next week, maybe <laughs> back on 1640. <laughs> let's carry on, sir, because obviously Pat doesn't give a beep about uh, calling to pure gold. So let's talk about the fact that there's um, the other big match that they're they're building up between The Undertaker and Brock Lesnar. Mind you, these are two part-time wrestlers that don't even show up on Raw to I hype think, up. I think who, you mean Brock Lesnar. Yeah, so who are they? They're, they're all depending. Yeah, they're depending on Paul Heyman to, and Paul Heyman's a good guy to deliver uh, good promos week in and week out, but not to have these guys show up to me, is a total joke. I mean, well, sir, let's get back. Let's let's hold that thought and let's let's see what uh, Pat has to, um, some thoughts on the current state of the WWE. Folks, we are joined by the one and only King Firehawk himself, Pat. Woo! How are you? How are you doing, sir? Hey, what's up, boys? Sorry about uh, catching some bees yeah. there for a few minutes, but as uh, well, we get older, we get tired. Time. This show will put you to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) Well, listen, Pat, you and I were talking off the air. Um, You know, I'm getting ready to rip you. I've been waiting all night. I've been waiting for, you know, a whole week, really. I'd like to know, I mean, we're going to discuss, we've been discussing WrestleMania, but since you're here, let's talk about that. Um, Before we get into all that, I'd like to know, you told me you have a different take, a different perspective on wrestling, and I would like to hear what it is, sir. And, and, you know, the, the fans out there, they're anxious. They want to know what King Firehawk, a.k.a. Pat, 
thinks and what his take is on wrestling in general. So please, sir, let's let's move on with it. Sure. I you know you know what? I've been a wrestling fan forever. You know, for at least like uh, my God, like thirty something years. And what I realized recently was. If you get caught up reading, like, all the spoilers and the, just the dirt sheets and caught up in who's booking and, you know, who's, you know, what's being punk status backstage for before they realize it, I think sometimes it's like you go too far off the cliff sometimes as a fan. And it's the same thing if you're a sports fan, especially in New York, you know, where they micro-dissect every single game of 162 games. And it's like the new wave of when you like something, the micro dissection of it just I discovered really takes it takes away from it. So simply, what I've done was I I kind of ninety percent pretty much shut off all the spoilers, all the dirt sheets, all the stuff, and I went back to just kind of watching what I see. Granted, not as great as back in the old days, but I can make a lot of lot of good points in a few minutes. But just to kind of give you an idea of what I'm doing, I'm mean, just trying to enjoy it for the time that it's on in front of me. And like as a kid, okay, next week comes along, we'll turn it back on and see what happens. And and I came to this conclusion because I heard on a podcast, I forget who, like maybe MLWs, uh, where, where they had Conan, and he had Disco Inferno on, and he was talking about state of wrestling today and uh, you guys name like your favorite TV show like if I'm watching the uh, Game of Thorns I don't go to a website the second it's over to critique how they wrote the show to see like you know why didn't they use character this way to get to point A to point B the only thing I do that with is wrestling and, and wrestling everyone does that with I just find if you take a step back it automatically becomes that more enjoyable that that's part one of my new philosophy. Uh, I, I'll let you like ask questions about that before I, we go into like what we're watching, which is a whole big thing. But I just think that if you take a step back, it's more enjoyable. You know, Fine Hulk, I, I agree with you. I don't read spoilers honestly. I mean, Dave, I, I, you know, is a stay-at-home dad. I mean, he has time to read all that stuff. I, I'm just so busy <laughs> at work that. I have no time to read all that stuff. I mean, to tell me that CM Punk, you know, is, you know, crying about this and that. I don't watch spoilers either, but, sir, uh, I'm talking to King Firehawk, not Satan himself. Uh, when we're talking about WrestleMania 30, the biggest pay-per-view of the year, Ever. We're, we're, this card is not being – this card right now is shaping up to be a pretty weak card. I mean, like I said, you have a triple threat now. All right, Triple H puts his name in the ring, and now he's fighting, you know, Daniel Bryan, and Daniel Bryan might win that match, and he might be at the triple threat. But you have a a part-time wrestler, Dave Batista. You have Daniel Bryan, who's is really white hot right now, and you have Randy Orton, who I don't know how what your thoughts on Randy Orton are, Firehawk, but me and Dave can't stand the guy. I mean, yeah. what are your thoughts? I, I agree. I'm not a Randy Orton guy. I'm not into Cena. I'm no Batista fan, but. Here's the way I look at just that match that you start off with. I think the card is better than most giving credit for, and we can run down as we go, but you started with that one. Here's the way I look at it. I love the slow burn, the long feud, the year, two-year type feud. The last 10 years, the WWE has trained you not to have anything more than, like, you know, three pay-per-view feud or something. The feuds aren't done the same way. 
So with Daniel Bryan, who I'm a huge fan of, I've been a fan of uh, Bryan Danielson, the long road for him, if it leads to beating Triple H WrestleMania, getting into that main event, winning the belt, it all justifies the ends for me. Because if when WrestleMania clicks off and everyone's screaming yes, yes, and he's holding the belt, it will be a fantastic story in the end. Now, I have a natural fan hatred for Orton and for Batista and for Triple H, and the way they set up last night was very helpful to where you, you, you're going into WrestleMania, you're going to see Daniel Bryan wrestle twice, and he's going to come out the, in, in the end, which we hope. I can honestly tell you, I can make the case that Triple H goes over or something screwy happens or not, but for the first time ever, I don't know. I, I really don't know, and I like the unknown. I like having the hope. So with the Daniel Bryan train, I'm hoping it makes the station, so to say, and you haven't had that in a long time. So you don't know what's going to happen, and you hope it works out. I think that's exciting. Well, let me ask you this, uh, Pat, and Joe is, Joe is egging me on to ask you. When you look at Daniel Bryan, you look at this whole situation, right? Orton obviously has had the title for a while. Um, Batista won the Royal Rumble, so he gets a title shot. What Joe would like to know, and he would like you to answer, but he's too much of a coward to ask you, is <laughs> what has Daniel Bryan done that he deserves a title shot at the biggest pay-per-view of the year? Oh, I can answer that. He's captured the entire fan base. I mean, that's, like, very hard to do. Everybody's usually split. At best, you know, I'm no John Cena fan, but he's got – 50% people cheering for him, 50% against him. And everyone else in, is a little in between. But you've got every arena in every state and every country and every place you go all behind the guy. So just from yeah, but, a pure sorry, performance from a standpoint. Perspective, from a storyline perspective, what has he done? I think more than anything else, because, yeah, right, the fans, I mean, we, we say, all right, Daniel Bryan is popular. Give him a title shot because, you know, we're fans of his. I mean, Joe's in love with the guy, but, you know, whatever he says, don't let him fool you. Um, but why is he getting a title shot other than the fact that the fans love him? I see what you're saying. Well, if you're going to go, if you're going to tweak it that way, in theory, his win and loss record were warranted. He's lost too many matches. But that's the whole point of why they occupied Raw, because he was screwed by the man, by the system, over and over and over again. And <laughs> in theory, they have the, they're right not to give him a title shot to full But he had to create his own movement in order to right the wrong ship. So, yes, if you're going to go by a traditional sense, he didn't deserve the right to be a number one contender, didn't win the Royal Rumble, didn't do this, do that. I understand that. But that plays into the whole scenario. The guy had to have a revolution, so to say, to, to get what he deserves for being screwed. So I kind of like it from there. It's different. It's a little different that way. Can Daniel Bryan carry the the company like a John Cena, or does he have the build? Does, do you think that this guy is? Do you think what Triple H says is true? I know he says it facetiously about him being a B plus player, but do you think Daniel Bryan can be the face of the company? I tell you, he doesn't have to be, and here's why: John Cena can still do all the Make a Wish, still look good on TV for the kids, and still carry himself. Eventually, probably have a rematch with Daniel Bryan. Then let Daniel Bryan be the champion to uh, at least run with the ball for a little bit. If he fails, he fails. We move on. You know what I mean? But it's time for some change here. And, and I, there's a lot of young guys that they got. 
that I'm really into. But the old guard, as you say, Batista, Triple H, Orton, you know, Cena, it, it doesn't happen until we give someone the chance. So is he marketable the way a John Cena looks, you know, like to the non-fan or the casual fan or Wall Street? Probably not, but he's selling a heck of a lot of shirts, and he's got a lot of people coming out to see him. So if you're going to give a guy a chance, it, unlike CM Punk, I think this guy's way more marketable to everybody. So give, I say let's take the chance. You can't get changed without taking a chance. Well, Pat, let's talk about CM Punk just for a second. Um, you say he's more marketable. Why is that? Because uh, CM Punk is a, t- is a tool? I mean, what do you say that's more marketable at him than, uh, than you know, Daniel Bryan versus him? Here, here's my thing with the two. And um, I think Daniel Bryan appeals to everyone in the family. He's an underdog. He looks like the guy sitting next to you in some, certain places. He's, he's your height. He, he's someone who you can relate to. He's, he's all that. CM Punk, who I'm a huge fan of, is also very moody, very selfish, very back and forth, all about him. He has an arrogance that's natural. He doesn't appeal to everyone in the family dynamic, so to say, to make him less marketable. I think you've got to be a real – I think for the most part you've got to be – the guy who liked CM Punk from the past to, to stay with him because the present CM Punk, he was not likable as a heel um, and as a face, not very believable. And, and I don't know if you want to go this way today, but I got my own feelings on this whole CM Punk walkout thing that um, is part of the problem in, with what's going on there. But, um, it, it, I mean, I know you're talking about the card, but with him, you realize that the Dave Meltzer tree, so to say, and I call it the Dave Meltzer tree because something comes out of his mouth, 50,000 websites report on it, and, you know, their sheets talk about it. But from the Dave Meltzer tree, he's 50-50 in terms of being accurate, yet the world follows, you know, the Dave Meltzer rumors and stuff. Do you realize that CM Punk, we have no clue why he's not on TV? It could be a mixture of he's, uh, they're doing WrestleMania payouts different now, so... He's never had a clear-cut answer on how he's going to get paid, and he could take a stand, or maybe he's burnt out, maybe he's really injured, maybe this is just a big storyline to bring back, or maybe, in fact, he had had enough. But everyone went right to the negative with him, as opposed to maybe Punk's injured, or maybe he's burnt out, and maybe they're worried about him, or maybe they want to cool the engines a little bit and bring him back. It could be anything, but it was all negative as it came out first. And, uh, and that's why I think Punk is more marketable. I think people think, I mean, Brian's more marketable because people were in the right to the negative on CM Punk being selfish, and you really found out what people thought of him. I mean, I get what you're saying, Pat. I think that the reason that people did go negative, you know, myself included, is because, you know, at the end of the day, like Joe's saying, Joe works in HR, you know. I mean, Joe, you know, he's in a, he works for a big company and whatnot. And, you know, when you walk out on your job, that, that's pretty much it. You, you're... you're, you're in the face of the company, and I get, you know, we're all happy, I've quit jobs and moved on, you know, it, it, so is life, but Punk, to me, this is just to me what I've seen, my perception of him is sweet, he does not seem like a happy guy, he doesn't seem like a very right. pleasant guy, you know, he, he seems like, I, I do think he appreciates his fans, so I can't knock him on that, 
But Punk kind of comes across as a bit of an arrogant douche, whereas someone like Daniel Bryan, who's probably just just so thrilled to be in in the biggest wrestling company on the planet, you know, I'm sure that he's unhappy per se with the way he's been treated. But the fact is that Daniel Bryan, to me, is more of a uh, of a company guy than I think CM Punk is. So I do agree with you in the sense that he's more marketable, marketable than Punk. But I think Punk's problem really is his attitude, and I think that's the reason people, um, you know, went sour on him. I do think it's a little crazy that for the biggest WrestleMania of all time, technically, he's going to quit like two months before the, the, the pay-per-view or three months before the pay-per-view, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I just, I guess it's stuff like that that makes it sour on him, you know. I mean, it's, I just don't see how this is a time... If it is injuries, whatever, I don't see how this is the time that you want to take off. You know, you're going to take off after WrestleMania, not before and during WrestleMania. So I think that that kind of becomes a problem with him. Now, you know, as far as everything else, I mean, there's so much to talk about, so much to cover. Um, Joe is, is really just took a big diarrhea dump on the whole John Cena, Bray Wyatt thing. Now, uh, let's touch on that for a second and just give us your take sure. on that. But just before I do that, I agree with you on Punk. If your belief is he, he walked out, you know, when guys walk out on a job, no matter what it is, you, you can sour on them and, and probably should because we're all hardworking guys. But with me, um, I still think in the end that when Daniel Bryan's about to win the belt at WrestleMania, CM Punk screws him and sets up the next feud for, for the year to come. Because I still don't believe CM Punk's gone. That's just my own personal opinion. But the, the one thing I, I will say, because it's, you know, and then I'll move on. I know you have time. And all that. Unlike in baseball or where you have a players union stuff, when you're working for Vince McMahon, you have just him and, and their word. You know what I mean? And I just think that CM Punk was probably promised a lot of stuff, probably really burnt out. The money is changing big time for these guys because it's no longer pay-per-view buy rates money, which allowed him to hang their hats on. And in a way, he might have martyred himself as the top, the highest guy in the company who could make a stand because a Ziggler or a Ryback can't make a stand or maybe even a Kane. So it could be the guy's making a stand and, and it's better for the boys in the end. Or it could be that the guy's just really burnt and they're, they're going to save him. But um, I still wouldn't be surprised if uh, he made his presence known at WrestleMania. And I'll end on that there, but uh, you brought up Cena in, in uh, Bray Wyatt, right? Um, yeah. I love the Wyatt. Love the Wyatt. And I think it's great that Bray Wyatt and Cena are in a feature match because I don't like Cena at all. I, I, if Cena wasn't on the show, I'd never miss him. But he does stand as the top dog in the industry today. So Bray Wyatt's going to get him. As long as Bray Wyatt's not one, two, three, job clean in the middle, any type of shenanigans would be fine by me because it just adds to the Bray Wyatt has a pretty big match at WrestleMania. My fear is, you know, Super Cena beats him one, two, three in the center of the ring, and that's bad for Bray Wyatt. I think you have gold with him, and they need to need to let him either heal out of that match as, in some result or, heck, let's be honest, he could beat Cena somehow, and that would really uh, catapult that guy for the future. I think everybody doesn't think future anymore. They think present. You know, it's funny, Firehawk. You say catapult, and um, we've seen a lot of guys catapult short-term and then just go back to the mid-card. So either way, the reason why this feud to me makes no sense or has no sizzle, if you will, 
is because win or lose, John Cena will still be Super Cena. So if he loses a match at WrestleMania, right. he's going to get a title match in a couple months anyway when it's time, it's his turn again. If the Wyatt somehow beat him, I mean, if Cena wins, then whole hump, and guess what? The Wyatt family goes back to being irrelevant. And to me, I don't understand the point. I mean, you love the Wyatt family, so I want to get your take on it. I don't see the take. I don't see uh, how a, a three-man faction feuding against nobody except uh, single competitors, it seems, nowadays, how they could be relevant after after WrestleMania, win or lose. Where do they go from here? Well, you make a great point there because um, with me, the Wyatt's only win, not by pinfalls or submissions, by forcing their kind of satanic way on you and breaking you down. And you just nailed it. If Cena... Even if he were to be pinned and the next day he's goofy, seen on Raw, you know, rubbing it off his shoulders, he takes it all away. And, and that is a good fear, and I do see what you mean by the sizzle of it. History tells us that you got Jazz up for this. The next day Cena gets up and he's Superman again. So I, I get what you're saying with that. I'm excited because Bray Wyatt's in a featured match, and I think that's big for the guy. But wow, that is a good fear to have because if um, – he can't inf- if he can't break Cena through all like you know his darkness there, then um, it is a waste. It's like a throw-in in there, and Cena goes on like you said, and then what heat does Bray Wyatt have after? I mean, you can't break the top guy. What sense of going after like a Kofi Kingston? So that's interesting. I mean, you brought up a good point there, and uh, I fear that uh, you know Cena, you know he he he'll lose, but he'll walk away without being damaged. And that is good fear. But um, if they had the balls, if they had the smarts, you know, it would damage him a little bit. And it would make his comeback better. That's a difference between, you can always compare him and Hogan. Hogan got damaged and had to make the comeback, no matter if he's wrestling Kamala or Andre or whoever. You never see that with Tina. He doesn't take, get damaged, like, to the soul or to the psyche or down himself. It's always, you know... His, his stupid credo, but um, that's a great point. You actually changed my view on that because that is a <laughs> is a match that could could be good, man. But yeah, if they don't go that way, I think you're right. Could be failure. Thanks, Fargo. Yeah, enough of that. Enough of changed my view that. on that. That, that has, you got me. Yeah. Listen, it's, <laughs> once in a while, once in a while, Joe makes some good points. But see, my thing is this, and here's where. Uh, you know, I want to kind of throw a monkey wrench into this whole thing as far as your, your back and forth between the two of you. The fact is that if you look at it from an you know outside perspective, any type of involvement with someone like Cena can be a good thing. And the WWE, if you were to talk to them internally, and Jim Ross and every other schmuck who just kisses Cena's fanny, they're going to tell you that just being in the ring with John Cena is good enough. Even if Bray Wyatt gets in no offense, Cena hits him with a you know the attitude adjustment, FUs him right through a table. One, two, three, five-second match, they're going to say, oh, this is great for Bray Wyatt's career because he was wrestling at WrestleMania against John Cena. And what always gets me is that in wrestling, you always hear the guys backstage. You hear the Jim Rosses. You hear the, uh, you know, Shawn Michaels, whoever it is. Just talk about great Cena and Orton, on, et cetera, et cetera, and how, you know, wins and losses don't matter. If that's true, if wins and losses don't matter, then why doesn't John Cena lose all the time at WrestleMania? Why doesn't John Cena have yeah. a reverse Undertaker, a reverse Undertaker streak? Why does Taker always win at WrestleMania? And Joe and I are not fans right. of that streak, so you know we're gonna we're gonna dump on that all we can. We hate the streak. We think the streak is ridiculous. I, I do hate too. Taker so much. Oh, well, they're, 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 that's three up. I, I guess the, the the group is growing, but 
Um, yeah. And we'll talk about that in a second. I'll explain but why when you is, get to that, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. The thing is that if wins and losses don't matter, then why the hell do these guys never lose? And why, you know, why don't they book lower-level talent to go over on them? Why don't they, why didn't they book a Dolph Ziggler to go strong when he was, you know, champ against uh, anybody, really? And they bury these guys. And what Joe was saying ties into this. When, when there was a Money in the Bank title match, when there was a two different titles, Jack Swagger, Dolph Ziggler, all these guys who won the World Heavyweight title were booked terribly. The Miz was booked terribly his time mm-hmm. as a champion, you know. But these guys were booked so badly, and yet they look terrible afterwards, and they go back to mid-card, but yet the people who are, quote-unquote, in the know in wrestling are going to tell the people like us, the layperson, oh, well, wins and losses don't matter. So touch on that briefly before we move on to Taker. Yeah, you you hit home with something because I, I've talked to somebody similar on a similar point recently like that. And here's here's what I'll say. Throw in the basket as you did the Jim Rosses, the Jim Cornettes, all these guys, the Mick Foley's who all, who all sealed the way the wins and losses and, and all that, and people survive, right? Which is ridiculous to me, but yeah. These, these guys are basing that on the wrestling fan base that's been loyal forever, that even when you're served, you know, SOS on a sandwich, we keep coming back, we keep coming back. But I, I would, if I could talk to Jim Ross or these guys this way, I would say, you want to know something? I think you're really BSing yourself because I firmly believe that anyone between the ages of now when you were six, ten years ago, and you're 16, so 16 and under, I bet 50% of them at least do not become lifetime wrestling fans. I think they right. watch it, and then they grow away from it. Our right. age, from I'll take 41 to about 22, because you were 22 made you about 12, so you were right at the cusp before the Cena error started. That age group are still fans. They find other forms of wrestling to watch. They'll casually stay part. They'll read about it. They'll be part of it. They're like the, the abused uh, um, lover that they, they're, they're going to go through the hard times and stay. See, these guys, are, um, that works their philosophy if we stay. I don't think these young fans are staying. I think they're moving on to other things. They, there's so many other things to do. That, um, it doesn't. They're not lifers. So they're going to find that this philosophy of uh, – you know, certain guys can absorb wins no matter what, blah, 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 blah. It's already showing signs. It's why Daniel Bryan's so popular in arenas and the Ortons and uh, no matter which way you, you uh, book them and Cena's, the but Triple H's, all these guys. They're, they're not loved, man. And, and even though they get, I don't know, 3.5 ratings, there's something to be said that they're not getting, you know, 6.8 or 7s anymore. That, right, there's a course. reason. It's not cool. It's just not cool for – anymore, so the double of the fan base is gone. Yep. And so I, mean, I disagree with all those guys in the know. I'm with you. Part of the problem, Firehawk, is that there's no competition anymore. I mean, me and Dave have talked about this at nauseum, that the day that Vince bought WCW was the day that wrestling became yeah. irrelevant because, you know what, without competition, there's no point of making your product as great as it was. Joe, let me, let me I agree with that, and also they retrain the audience for ten years. To, to that's why they're not going to stay for lifers because they down they they water down the product. You hit with a chair, no big deal. You don't bleed anymore in these vicious cage matches and stuff. 
So that's why they're going to find they're going to trouble. That, why do you think they're selling, um, which is a great idea, and I bought it, the network, which is based on the past. I don't watch anything present on there. I'm watching everything from the 80s. And the, they're selling what want, they're, they're making you buy again what you once bought, hoping to keep buying what they have. But that's, that train is running to an end. But the difference is, Soon it'll be only, you know, I'm not saying Vince McMahon's going to die soon. I'm saying, no, the next 20 years or less, it won't be Vince's problem anymore. It's the new generation. And and not to go off on a tangent, I watched that next show that they did, and I thought it was fantastic. And it's nothing that they do on Raw or SmackDown. So I don't even understand why they do it that way, unless they're going to change in the future. You're not the only person who feels that way, Pat. I mean, everybody, all the hardcore wrestling fans, who actually watch NXT will tell you that is probably the WWE's best product. As a matter of fact, the first thing Joe and I did, you know, I went over his house uh, and I helped him install, you know, the Roku so that he can watch, uh, and you know, WWE Network. And one of the first things I showed him was a match between Cesaro and Sami Zayn, where Zayn goes flying through the bottom turnbuckle from the outside and gets the sickest European uppercut I've ever seen in my life. I ah. literally told Joe, "You have got to see this match," and we saw it. And that is interesting. That is wrestling. That's oh, yeah. like the ROH. That's like, you know, wrestling should be. But instead, we get all this other crap. And my wife yeah. makes fun of me all the time because wrestling is a soap opera. And, you know, it is what it is. But at the end of the day, you're absolutely right. And Joe and I have talked about this off the air. The reason the WWE Network is such a great idea is because you get all the great stuff you used to love with, you know, you get the current pay-per-views. Because the truth is, my issue with the whole thing is it reminds me of why wrestling is so bad now. And it reminds me of what yeah. I used to love about wrestling and what I hate about wrestling now. You talked about ratings. Let's think about this for a second, guys. If back in the late 90s, they were pulling, WWE was pulling six and sevens and five, you know, fives, whatever you want to call it, whatever rating that was. WCW was pulling about the same thing. You're talking, if they're getting a three now, they used to get a combined, like, 12. Or 14, depending on which night. So there's literally tons, millions upon millions upon millions of people who they lost. They lost, they kept like a quarter of their audience, basically, if you think about it in those terms. Where did all those people go? You know, they're watching UFC now because UFC is more in. I don't think wrestling will ever be cool again. And I think Mm. we're going to be stuck with this era. And I think, like you said, the WWE may have kind of shot themselves in the foot with the network. Because if you're going to be like me, you may think to yourself, I'm just going to watch the network because the new, the current product is terrible. Who's going to watch this current product and compare it to the past and say, man, this is great. Wrestling is at an all-time high. No, wrestling is probably at one of its all-time lows. And Vince is directly responsible for it because of the turrets that he puts out on TV. And most of the stuff is bad. Why? Fans don't care about Batista. They're dumping on him. And I think that if he had come back yeah. earlier... And I love him, yes. Yeah, earlier than the Rumble, I think if what they had done, booked him back at SummerSlam, had him come in little by little and gradually then build up to win the Royal Rumble, I don't think fans would have had as big a problem with it. Instead of he makes his return the week of the Rumble, wins the Rumble, and the fans are riding high on the Daniel Bryan train, well, Batista kind of got caught in the middle. Now everybody hates him, and now they're forced to turn him heel. Like you said, Cena's getting 50-50. Orton, I mean, who cares about these guys? But these are the guys they push down our throat because they move merchandise. So I can understand Punk being upset with kind of like the current structure, but I don't think anything's going to change, and ultimately isn't that the problem, you know? Isn't that the real issue? Mm-hmm. And the other problem they had in the Rumble was once they decided 
the world understood you're not getting Daniel Bryan. They still let Batista win, but if they let Roman Reigns win, you would have cured the, the Daniel Bryan problem for the moment. People would have been surprised and really liked that, I think. And and uh, but they still went Batista. They Batista was not the returning superstar they thought, and he never he didn't leave like that. It's just like they overestimated uh, his uh, value to the world, especially all these years later. But yeah. It, Next, I think, is a great show. That highlight show that they did a couple of weeks ago I thought was awesome. And it was confusing because you won't see Cesaro and Zane wrestle that way on any pay-per-view or any Raw or any SmackDown. And they didn't understand the point of it. The point is what? Because they're awesome. They're next doing this. And they had a women's match that was one of the best women's matches I've ever seen in my life. It was so good, that show. But I don't get it. Why? Why do that there? and do none of it on the big, big scene. But well, they were that, test marketing that. I don't know. That, that's never going to happen. Very strange. And that's ultimately the problem. And that goes to show you again the problem that you can put on a great minor league show. It's like, all right, I'm a, Joe and I are Mets fans. Uh, you know, we're going to watch the AAA Reno, a Las Vegas team, because they're so good, but the, the Mets are putting on a turd on the major league right. field. Ultimately, we're going to say, what the hell am I – why am I following this franchise? You know, why am I following – it's like the Yankees. You're a Yankee fan, right? If, are you going to look yeah. at the Columbus Clippers or wherever the hell the – I think the Clippers are gone now. But, you know, whatever the Yankees AAA affiliate is, are you going to look at them and say, yes, this is what we – this is great. And then you're going to look at this and say – and the Major League product and be like, wow, these guys think. No, you're looking at the Major League level, but the thing is the WWE gives you the Minor League level as a better product. Now, I'd like to switch gears for a second, um, you know, as time is more advancing on us. Um, let's talk about Taker – I want to get your take sure. on the streak, and then let's move on to him against Brock Lesnar. For Joe and I, sure. this feud is really just uh, dead in the water because nobody thinks that Lesnar, Brock Lesnar, is going to beat him, and it's pretty much Paul Heyman doing all the work for both of these guys. So, right. uh, touch on the streak, and then move on to the uh, the match. I think I think the streak is great in terms of it. No matter how we feel about it, the second he enters on WrestleMania almost feels like the world stands still. It's time. Now, being a, seeing Andre the Giant lay down for Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania three and end, you know, the 15 years undefeated, to me says that the point of something special, like the streak, like Andre's thing, is it's really only meaningful for a short time and then really meaningful once someone ends it. So... If Undertaker retired tomorrow and went away, great, 21-0 means nothing the next bunch of WrestleManias, except you can go back and look and maybe somebody gets a 6-0 and and you kind of can say, oh, is he on a run? But the truth is it means nothing once he's gone, right? So yeah. while he's Fly, here... Hey, Flyhawk, isn't he gone already? I mean, the guy wrestles once a year. <laughs> I mean, what's yeah, the you point? know what? You, yeah, I mean, and he looks... Uh, unlike guys where you can hide you know, what shape they're in, he looks so broken down. And without the long hair, he looks even more broken down. Now, I'm a huge Brock Lesnar fan, and I know there's better chance of me going to beat The Undertaker than, he, than him because, you know, he's a part-timer too. And I know that, and it's depressing from that aspect. I love it because I love Brock Lesnar, and I, I wanted this match. The match is about two years too late, but um, the, my fear is, they had the chance to 
do two things, and, and I'll let you guys give your view. Shawn Michaels twice, Triple H twice, ruined um, the perfect timing for someone to take the streak because while Shawn Michaels is the Mr. WrestleMania, they could have made in the last four years Dolph Ziggler have a match where he wrestles the same 40 minutes, 35 minutes, and seals the show with anybody and make your next Shawn Michaels for the next 10, 15 years with him. But they didn't do that. So they let Shawn Michaels have two spotlight matches with Triple H, his third match, actually. They should have taken, and I hate John Cena, but I'm going to tell you, John Cena should have ended that streak. Or you should have had, um, and now I know no one likes Ryback. <laughs> to my fault, I liked him. And I liked him because they just kept pushing and pushing and pushing him. He probably shouldn't have taken the streak, but he was believable if he was beating, winning and winning winning. Let him have that match at some point. And even Punk um, had a small – actually, I should – Punk, I could have bought buying the taker until they started bringing Paul uh, Bearer's death into it. Then I knew, you know, he had to get his revenge, so it wasn't going to be – it wasn't even like a serious streak match to me. But they missed a boat yeah. because now he's too old, and, and they have nobody to really give it to unless it's going to be Cena who will be around with the company for a while. So I fear that this streak is going to end up, you know, um, I, oh, let me rephrase that. I'm a big Roman Reigns guy. That's the guy to take the streak next year, I guess. But the streak is, 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 was meaningful. It was exciting. And they, they've really run its course. And uh, to let him leave undefeated is stupid. It means nothing. It means more when someone beats him and we can follow that guy for a while. I agree with you on that, and it's funny, you know, talk about changing your mind. Uh, not that you changed my mind, but you kind of made a point that I really hadn't conceived because I never thought that anybody would break the streak. The fact is you're right. You're absolutely right. The streak only means something if somebody breaks it, and since nobody is ever going to break it, the streak by default. Yeah, look at it this way. The year he retires, let's say he's 22-0, and 0, you can sell those DVDs for a couple of years and have them, you can watch on the network the streak 22 three, four, five years later, that's just like something that happened once before. And it means nothing to the future of the business. It means nothing then. So the guy who took it means something. And now, you know, so that's, that's why I like the streak match, the idea that it ends in a new beginning for somebody. It's just they squandered it through the Shawn Michaels Triple H years. But they got one more chance, I think, with, it, with Roman Reigns next year. Well, I don't think I don't think Reigns is going to be the guy to do it. I mean, I get what you're saying. Honestly, I probably not, but he's the guy I like. No, I, I hear you. I think Sean should have broken the streak just because you know the legendary status, et cetera, et cetera. But I agree, having him wrestle two pay-per-views in a row. I told Joe I was going to quit watching wrestling as Shawn Michaels lost at WrestleMania 26, which of course he did. <laughs> but when you look at him twice, then Triple H twice. I, Triple H twice was bad to me because you know yes. you knew he wasn't going to win. Sean had a better – if anybody was going to break that streak, it was going to be Sean. And the fact that he didn't, the fact that then you go with Triple H again two times, it, it, it gets to be too much. It gets to be like, what is the point? And Joe and I have talked about Cena breaking the streak. It's the only time I would ever root for John Cena was if he was to go against The Undertaker uh, for the streak and then beat him, you know, end the streak. That's the only time I'd ever Yeah, I, I'm with Cena. you on that. It's the same with me. The only time I'd root for Cena because just in a way he deserves – for what he did to break it, if someone's gonna, because no one else has been positioned such. Um, and I would, not only that, I would believe until he didn't win, 
he was absolutely going to end it. So from a believability standpoint, that match would have a lot of lot of interest until the, you know. Yeah. No, I definitely think that. I mean, again, I've I missed it so many times in the show, but I've read that Kane was supposed to break it, that Taker wanted Kane to break it, and Kane refused because it meant too much. And I agree with you. I think that people are looking at the streak wrong. I think the fans are looking at it wrong. It's, uh, first of all, the fact that he has an undefeated streak at Russell is ridiculous to me because Hogan lost, Triple H has lost, John Cena has lost, The Rock has lost, Uncle Steve Austin has lost, Shawn Michaels probably lost more WrestleManias than he ever won. And these are the top names right. in the history of the business. Ric Flair has lost at WrestleMania, you know. And Randy Savage has lost at WrestleMania. And yet, Undertaker's never going to lose. Taker's not better than, than those guys. He's not the greatest wrestler. Right. So I think the fact that it's undefeated is ridiculous. Hulk Hogan, the biggest, and I don't care what anybody says, Hulk Hogan is the biggest superstar in the history of wrestling. I, I, to me, it's an indisputable fact. And he has lost at WrestleMania many times. So how are you going to have Taker go at the end of his career and never lose? And now people are saying he shouldn't lose. I think he should lose again. And all right, if it's Roman Reigns, then so be it. But give somebody who has a future in this business and is going to be around and say, look, I broke the streak. I ended the streak. You know, hell, for these last four years, you could have done anything. You could have had Jericho go up against the streak, which would have been great. You could have had, um, you know, you had Punk. You could have had uh, somebody else going up against the, the, the streak to try to end it, but instead you waste four years with two guys, and now you've got this thing with Lesnar. Lesnar's never going to win. Nobody thinks he's going to win. And really, is Brock going to be the one to kill the Undertaker? Because he looks like he could. He looks like Taker could collapse in the middle of the ring, you know, and, and the fact that he comes out once a year, wrestles once a year, to me is mind-blowing. And I know he's paid his dues, blah, 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 as apologists would say, but the guy does nothing for the current product, so you're going to have him wrestle once a year. And, and you know, people say, oh, well, it's not WrestleMania, it's not The Undertaker. I, I could care less about The Undertaker, first of all, it's WrestleMania regardless of whether he's there or not. And second of all, the fact is that once he's done, which is going to be very soon, like you said, Pat, then what? What happens after that? Nothing. He right. Moves on and you got a big no problem time. then, because what sells WrestleMania? Without, I mean, when he's... The, the funny thing is, I I won't mind when he's gone from WrestleMania, but that spot, that streak spot, uh, hot it was, you will miss that if someone didn't take it. So if he def- win, if he retires undefeated, you know, man, the next WrestleMania is a big big hole in it because you're back to regular WrestleMania, back to the originally what it was, a super card with guys with issues coming to fight it out in front of the world. And they don't do that anymore with guys with issues coming to find it out in the world. They, you know, throw it together. You're, you're in a lot of trouble when the taker's spot goes because it, it adds the aura to it now, um, even though, you know, it's corrupted a little bit. But it's a big problem. But uh, like I said, in this one, I can understand if there's a better chance that, you know, um, we'll all be living on Jupiter tomorrow than uh, Brock Lesnar taking that streak. But watching that match, I love Brock Lesnar. I, I I root for Brock Lesnar in a strange way. I root for where his performance is so good, it's like a big F you to everybody because they just keep jobbing him out. And and I know better. It's like, uh, you know, they're paying him a lot of money, but at the same time sort of teaching him a lesson for leaving them to begin with. It's like a weird dynamic. But, um, yeah, I... I, I I need a guy who's going to be around in the next bunch of years to, to, to be in the match, to truly believe that they may take it. So, like I said, a Roman Reigns on the card right now, or maybe a Cesaro with a lot of pushing this year or something. 
somebody who's going to be around for a while, at least I can, uh, you know, watch that match and see. So from a super match, I'm into Brock Taker, but from a, the streak is in danger, I, 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 it's not carrying that for me. All right, Firehawk, I'm going to ask you a long-winded question, so bear with me, sure. because you told me that the car, you really like the card, and I'll give you the fact that the triple threat now seems uh, a little bit more intriguing than Orton versus Batista, because at that point, if it was just those two, I have no interest. You have the two part-time wrestlers, Undertaker, who wrestles one time a year to keep his streak alive against Brock Lesnar, which we know Brock has no chance in hell, as Vince would say. So those right. are two matches right there. You have Bray Wyatt, John Cena, which to me is a, has no sizzle. And then we talk about the rest of the card, which hasn't been developed yet. Guess what? There's nobody else. We have this battle royal that's been created by quote-unquote Hulk Hogan, uh, the Andre, uh, the you know Andre Giant uh, Invitational. But you know we have no U.S. title defense. We have no Intercontinental defense. We have no tag team title defense. And then we're going to even talk about the faction, the Shield, a face faction that has no role either at WrestleMania because they already wrestled Kane on regular TV. So. This mid-card of this pay-per-view, the biggest pay-per-view of the year, is not shaping up at all. I mean, they do such a piss-poor job of, of putting a card together these days. I have zero interest, and I just don't think they, they use the, the mid-card level. Those wrestlers like Sheamus, Ryback, um, even Albert Del Rio to an extent, they, those guys just you know are put into a battle royal, I guess, and the rest of the card, who knows? I mean... By now, we should have a, a four or five matches lined up. Instead, we have maybe three or four matches lined up. Yeah, I, I will. I do like the main event scenario with Daniel Bryan, so I'm, I'm cool with the whole thing. And this is WWE's way of being lazy about it because they're basically saying, all right, you wanted the Daniel Bryan experience, so it's all about that. So screw everything else. And I... I will buy the experience because I, I, I'm on that train. Um, so I like that. The, the Wyatt versus Cena is like toast without butter on it. I understand what you're saying. Um, I do like Wyatt. So they, it's kind of like they fooled me there because I, I have half interest, but then Cena, you know, takes the taste out of my mouth. I get it. Totally get what you're saying with Undertaker Brock. Once again, a trick act by, by them because I love Brock Lesnar so much that I'm, I'm going to enjoy that. So for those three or four things, I'm cool with that. Now, you're right in what you say. The Battle Royal, because Hulk Hogan's going to give Andre the Giant trophy and be attached and they put the name on it, I like that. So I'm cool with however that goes. And then you're right, the rest. Now, the funny thing is, they could have a fantastic four or five matches in there. Bring up Sami Zayn, let him and Cesaro go at it, or let the next champion wrestle, defend his title against somebody, you know, have or you know, I kind of like the Usos enough where if they're wrestling a tag team match against somebody in a spot, it'd be kind of cool. I'd be happy with that. I I love the Shield. I'm so confused, like you just laid out, where what's going to happen with that order, or uh, who are they face? Are they oh, who are they going to fight? Are they is it going to be Reigns and Kane and the, the other two in the Battle Royal? I'm kind of not sure. There's so many good matchups they could do. And it's probably funny. We probably only learn two of them because the others you'll find out, you know, the day of or whatever, the way they work it. So, yeah, there's no excuse for that. They're horrible laying out the card. The beginning WrestleMania, as you knew, three months ahead of time, and both camps had a lot of time to build up why they're going to fight each other and the issues between them and this and that. But 
my big thing, I think, the way you laid it out there is take with after the battle royal, my things are must, right? I must have Roman Reigns being highlighted in some way, and I think he will be. So even if he versus Kane, I can deal with that because I want Roman Reigns highlighted. I want Cesaro either uh, in a tag team title match against Usos in which they, those guys win, or that's when Cesaro and Swagger finally had enough of each other and break off and, you know, feud from there. Like, the, the heel, the face turn for Cesaro happens. So if you give me that, with that, the, those two things. Anything else, you know, they probably have a Dopey Divas match. It's whatever it is, you know, if that even takes place. But I just need the rest of that card to have something good for Cesaro and Roman Reigns. And I'm going to be kind of happy. Um, if you don't have those two, we get like, you know, no offense to Cody Rhodes. Yeah, even Cody Rhodes versus Goldust, if that were to happen. But um, whatever they throw in there otherwise, you know, any six mans or, you know, fatal four ways among four tag teams, I'm not going to dig that. So, so right now here, the way you said it, I think what will keep me interested is those two guys getting something good to do, and and Dom Ziggler, which he never gets anything good to do, but I, I love the guy. Without that, then I will agree with you. I will say, man, it's um tough sell. But now, if you bought the network, you know, you just saved yourself like uh, almost sixty dollars to watch the thing. So, and in a weird way, I think the card, no matter how the way it ends up, it's still better than last year's WrestleMania. So the strange thing is, it's cost a lot less. And yet the team's better than last year. I don't know. Do you get that feeling at all? Yeah, I mean, I see what you're saying. It's pretty bad when we compare a turd to a, a worse turd, right. if, you, if you know what I mean. <laughs> it's pretty bad. Well, that was my final question. I guess you answered it. If you didn't have the network, are you sold on buying this pay-per-view, uh, paying $70 um, by itself? Or do you think this is a pay-per-view that you don't have to watch and just listen, um, you know, read about the next day? That's that's a great question, and, and I hate my answer because, yes, I would buy it because, to me, it's the Super Bowl. Even when you have a bad Super Bowl, you're going to watch. I'll, I'll probably always watch WrestleMania because of the loyalty of as a child to now, like we started off the conversation with, where it kind of got me for that. Am I going to buy anything else? No, and I haven't in years. I watched it through other shenanigans are coming together, you know, to watch it with other, you know, people and stuff like that. But WrestleMania, they're going to always get my dollar one way or another because it's the Super Bowl. But I don't, they, they hang their hat on WrestleMania sales. But the truth is, if they got me for WrestleMania but lost me for the other, 12, you know, 11 events, they shouldn't, you know, that's, that's a number they should really look at. That's the problem. So, yeah, they may pat themselves on the back because Pat Crowley's still going to, you know, King Firehawk's going to watch WrestleMania, find some things to like about it. You know, there's been some good Super Bowls and bad Super Bowls. Same thing here. But, um, yeah. but they don't, they didn't get me the rest of the way, and that's, that's their problem. Right. So, in, in your opinion, does Roman Reigns win potentially the, the Andre the Giant Invitational and he gets his fame that way? He, you know, he goes on to like a bigger singer's career by winning the Battle Royal, or do you think somebody like maybe Big Show might win it? See, that, um, to me, Roman Reigns is, is like the perfect stockpile WWE guy. He's got the height, he's got the look, he's got, you know, the uh, lineage to the rock. Somebody that they're gonna family is based in wrestling that they can trust to keep around for years. 
if they let the big show win, it's a gigantic mistake. Gigantic mistake. And I presume the Battle Royale is going to be very early on. What a way to bring down the audience. If Roman Reigns is in there, after what he did in the Royal Rumble, and he can't win that Battle Royale, I just think that's a huge mistake. Now, if he's not in there, then you've got a sea of very low-level mid-carters, and the big show's in there, and he wins, and, you know, they want to, you know, Andre the Giants thing, the big show wins, kind of like a little homage. I, I'm fine with that moment, but not the exp- at the expense of the Cesaros and the Roman Reigns. No way. Okay. You know, it's just, it's, you know why? Because then it's not fun, right? It, the whole point of everything was to, is it's supposed to be fun. And really? um, I think that's what's lost on these guys uh, uh, that run in the, the, the Triple H uh, factor there is that, you know, the fun part is um, also creates the cash cow and the buzz. And when people can have fun again and get into it, you know, people won't be as critical of it. They'll just be having fun, you know. And, and you know, it's better. i tell you one thing. What I liked about Next or when I watched Ring of Honor and the Internet, it's a one-hour show. Man, you can do a lot of good things in an hour. A three-hour Raw, I, I challenge anyone to watch that live. I can't watch yeah. that live. Right. I have the TV on my, my way through that. I just think it, they just overkilled it and, and under underbooked it. That's where we are. But um, right. yeah, well, so we're, we're bringing it all home. WrestleMania. I, I, I'll you know because I will buy it because I'm conditioned to. I still think that it's not too bad. I think it's better than the, maybe one of the last couples. Has its flaws, yes. Um, they can't keep living off these flaws the next few years. But I think like um, the Daniel Bryan thing is it's, it's a major, major movement that it, uh, it, it eclipses these flaws if he takes home the title. Yeah, no, definitely, and I guess we'll kind of see where that, that, that goes. Listen, Pat, we appreciate you uh, spending so much time on our show. I know you need to get to sleep, you need to get to work, take care of the kids, et cetera, et cetera. Um, hopefully we'll be able to talk to you again soon. WrestleMania is coming up, so we'd like to get your take, of course. And, again, King Firehawk, uh, thanks again, sir, for being on the program. Much appreciated. Yeah, let me just let me just end on saying one thing to you guys. Um, you know, I, I wanted to thank you again for my time on 1640 with you guys. It was a wonderful time. Um, the post-1640 uh, days have been good to me. I've been doing the King Firehawk show. It's still on Apple iTunes and Spreaker and on Facebook. You can find it. And I've been doing a show with the ECWA Tag Team Champions, the D-Line, where I've kind of been hosting it for them and talking wrestling and other things. So uh, I know Ken Reedy, our old buddy, he's still doing his thing. So, uh, it was a great opportunity you guys afforded me, and I, I really thank you for that. I learned a lot of few things and uh, and took some of the experiences there and moved on, and they've all been good. So anytime, I, I'd love to talk to you guys. Joe, you've been uh, good to me. And uh, my man, pure gold, man, you got, you've got you been wonderful to me. So I, I, anytime, I wish you guys luck. And uh, once again, it's uh, Dave, you've been a good guy to me. So uh, I, I appreciate it, and uh, good luck to you guys. Thanks so much, sir, and I'm sure we'll be Thank talking you, sir. soon. You have a wonderful evening. All right, man. Be good. Go match for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know we have to get into some rest, uh, some sports uh, before the show closes, but we have Phil calling from the U.K., so we have to at least get him on for a couple of minutes. Uh, Phil the U.K.? is the first-time wow. caller. Yes, sir. Now, Phil, you said you'd like to talk a little bit about the WrestleMania card. Um, 
We're running out of time here on the show, but can you give us a, a quick breakdown? What do you think? Yeah, sure. When I look at the WrestleMania show, I think Daniel Bryan's going to take it. It's going to be a dream story. But the one match that I think a lot of people are forgetting about is the Undertaker-Brock Lesnar match, simply on the grounds that the Undertaker always gives you show... Well, basically just... basically steals the show at WrestleMania every year. And the fact that he can do it with someone like Brock Lesnar, and we've seen from the wrestling and the UFC that he's a heavyweight that works like a welterweight. You're looking at a guy who can move quick and he can just snap off maneuvers like you wouldn't believe. The fact that he can work that quickly in a ring and Brock Lesnar has shown himself at times to be quite the ring general when need be. You're looking at potentially the next... um, You're looking at a match that could steal the show. I personally think Undertaker Lesnar could really steal the show. And I think the only reason Lesnar being in that match is tainted is because of the Lesnar-Goldberg match. And it was so badly booked, and the way that it was written was so badly designed that Lesnar couldn't really show his true potential as a wrestler in that match. And him getting The Undertaker in this match will truly show Brock Lesnar to be a great wrestler that he is. I mean, yeah, he may not be the most technical guy, but he's smash mouth. And that's what makes him a very interesting opponent for The Undertaker. We all know that The Undertaker's going to win. We all know that the streak's going to continue. But the match itself, it's the journey itself. It's watching Brock Lesnar dismantle The Undertaker for the first 15 minutes and then watching The Undertaker's amazing comeback that will make the match. And it will be phenomenal in its build. Wow, I mean, this this call has been phenomenal. I, I just want to know, i got to ask before you get into wrestling talk, um, you're calling from the U.K., so it must be 5 yeah. in the morning over there. Um what what made what prompt did you call Pure Gold tonight, just by chance? Just generally, I saw a wrestling show. I heard you were talking about WrestleMania, or I listened in. I was interested, and I wanted to give my um, figurative two cents to the call. No, we definitely uh, appreciate that, Phil. Definitely. And the interesting the interesting thing you mentioned, uh, normally I would agree with you on the whole Undertaker, uh, Bob Lesnar thing, and we just covered this with our last guest. But Taker looks like he's old. He looks like he's on his last legs. He looks like he's really beat up, and which is probably why he only wrestles once a year and hardly ever comes out. Um, but, but for that once a year, isn't he going to give the best that he has to give? And didn't we see from last year with CM Punk, he delivered an amazing match, and CM Punk didn't carry him. And the year before that, Sean, well, the year before that, he wasn't carried, and the year before that, he wasn't carried. He held his own. The reason he only does one match a year now is simply on the grounds that for that one match a year, he can save up all his energy. He can save up his ideas as well, how to sell a match. At this point, it's not about high spots. It's about ring psychology. It truly is the fact that he can come up there and say, spend the next year thinking, Ring psychology, what can I do in this match that people haven't seen before? And he's got a year to think about it. 
And the fact that he can use ring psychology to build up the crowd, to make them lift and make them go down again, and lift and go down again. The Undertaker, the one thing he's amazing at, he's never been great at high spots. He's never been the most technical wrestler. But his ring psychology has always been amazing. It's never been about his work rate. It's always about his command of the ring. It's about the ring psychology itself. And he's one of the last guys to do it. And ring psychology in itself needs to make a comeback. Hey, Phil, can I ask you to say something before you go? Oh, of course. Phil, I need you to say, when I'm having tea in the UK, I'm listening to Pure Gold on Block Talk Radio. Go ahead. Oh, dude, if you want me to do bumpers, then I can talk to you on Skype so you can get better quality. I'll do give one bumper Skype. first. Do one bumper. Come on. All right, then. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, when I am buffering down tea and crumpets, I am listening to Pure Gold exclusively on Blog Talk Radio. Your voice, Phil, you, uh, good voiceover on that one. Good one. Listen, Phil, I really hate to, I hate to cut you off because we're actually going to end the show in like ten minutes, and we have a couple well, of things we need to get to. But I just want right. you to know. I uh, mean, look for us. You know, wait. I'll, I'll get back to you in a second. But just so you know, you know, look for us every week. We're usually on Mondays after Raw. Um, this week we happen to be Tuesday. But you know, check us out. Go to our website, puregopg.com. You know, uh, I'm not sure if you have Twitter, but of course you can follow us on there. And, yeah. I mean, we would love to have you call in even next week. You know, next week will probably be on Monday. So I'm not sure what time it is in the U.K. for you, but we're usually on at 11. So a p.m., yeah. uh, you know, American time, whatever that is for you now, subtract an Generally, hour. Um, I, I work night shifts at a hospital, so I, I oh, will okay. finish up at about midnight. But the one thing I will say is you you have my Skype address now on here. So if you guys want to get in touch and want me to cut further bumpers or do whatever I uh, do some sound engineering and I do some fiddly stuff so if you do want actual uh, intros to the show and that kind of stuff I'd be happy and you have my Skype address now right? Oh definitely yeah, yeah. Our, producer, our producer has that information and our director will definitely be in touch with you so do not worry Phil uh, we know you need to get some rest and we do appreciate your call tonight Oh, I'm not concerned about rest. I'm fine. This is this is uh, a few days that I've got off now, so I'm happy to listen in and uh, run my delicious buttery baritone man voice. Oh yeah. Is this wait, is this Wade Barrett or Phil from the UK? I, I think it's Wade Barrett. No, no. If it was Wade Barrett, then I'd turn around and say, "Well, I've got to tell you, pure gold. I have some bad news." Um, so no. I, Good stuff, I, Phil. Uh, but before I go, I want to ask about the ring psychology question. I think that yes. the Undertaker Brock Lesnar match will be the best match on WrestleMania because the Undertaker simply has, out of the entire company, the best ring psychology and will know how to build that match upwards. And ring psychology is so underestimated in this day and age. What are your thoughts? And I know you're going to hang up, but I want to hear your answer. Well, thank you so much, Phil. And I mean, I will definitely, um, I will definitely answer this question. I agree with you completely. As far as ring psychology, it's something that's lost. It's something that's a lost art in wrestling, and it's more now, you know, a couple of spots here and there, depending on which promotion you watch. 
And in WWE, they have their way of doing things, but it's really not about the ring psychology. It's kind of about let's do this, this, get from point A to point B. And, you know, Taker can definitely plan out a match. I just want to see him execute it. And, again, I'm not knocking Taker. He's a legend. He's an all-time great. But I do think that, um, you know, I'm I'm a little concerned with where he's going to go, you know, if he's physically capable of doing it. I would have loved to have seen this match five years ago, ten years ago. You know, when Brock, when Taker was in peak physical condition and you know, Brock was still a young a young buck, as it were. But uh, Joe, uh, I don't know if you want to chime in on this, sir. Real quick, the in-ring psychology. I mean, we look at Randy Orton, we look at John Cena, two guys that don't know how to sell a match. They they pretty much wrestle at their own pace. They don't really tell a good storyline. People like Shawn Michaels, people like Bret Hart, those are people that really had good in-ring psychology, were able to sell a good match. So, I agree with you, Phil, and again, you are either way better or just the the husband to the British lady because uh, this British lady is always on our show, and now it's good to hear from her husband and her spouse. So, again, Phil, thanks for calling in. Yeah, we we definitely appreciate that. It was great. You know, we get calls from, you know, Elwood over in Indiana. You know, we have now Phil calling from the U.K. I mean, this show show just went global, sir. This This show went from the U.S to the U.K., and we're all over the world now. Phil has helped us accomplish our goal, so of course we'll be back next week to talk more smack. But, sir, we're going to end the show. Of course, got to thank Pat, got to thank Phil, but we have a couple of things we have to discuss before we end up sir. so let's hit these rapid fire to go your goals again. Yeah, I, I actually thought real fast, I thought that, like, when he cut that bump right, he almost sounded like Lauren Lester for a second, didn't he? Yeah, and I, uh, I was going to say Irish. I want St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, uh, a British Lauren Lester. I, I really okay. sound a little bit like Wade Barrett there. <laughs> we'll talk about more about this next week. But rapid fire, let's go through this real fast. The off season, the free agent, um, and, and the NFL has been pretty um, rapid here in the tri-state area. More on the Giants side because the Giants have signed a lot of key players. So, sir, take it away. Tell me your thoughts on so far how the Giants have been doing this off season. Well, you know, I was checking out the Twitter yesterday. I know there was, there's been a lot of talk about the Giants, uh, you know, with all the moves that they've made. I spoke to my brother. I mean, he was going nuts about, uh, you know, Antonio Cromartie's, uh, you know, third cousin twice removed. Um, you know, DRC, as he is known. Um, you know, and when you look at when you look at what the Giants have been able to do, it just amazes me that, you know, when they get, when they get Dominique Rogers Cromartie, you get these guys, you know, uh, Thurman's from uh, from Seattle. I mean, these guys are just coming out of, you know, basically being in the Super Bowl, and now they're on the Giants. You know, the Giants are going to make, uh, you know, all the moves they made, let Justin Tuck go, they let uh, Knicks go, they brought back Merrill Manningham today. I mean, the Giants have been moving a lot and shaking quite a lot. And, of course, the Dominique rogers Cromartie signing ties back into Joe because his team was going after him as well. And apparently Rex Ryan is really upset that he didn't sign – you know, Camardi, but I think the Giants have made so many improvements in their secondary and on the defensive side of the ball that the Giants are going to be, they're going to be a team to watch this year, sir, and I like it because, you know what, they made, they made some amazing moves, and I think that with the Giants making all of these changes, you know, you're going to have to watch out for the team, sir. I think they're going to have a bounce back season, honestly, sir. Um, I agree with you that the Giants have made a lot of good moves and a lot of necessary moves. The one question I have, and I know this is going to be hard to believe for you, sir, but a two-time Super Bowl MVP, Eli Manning, I have to see what kind of year he's going to have this year because 
the, the Jets can make all the moves they want. They can sign anybody that they need and fill holes or whatever. But if Eli Manning has another season like he did last year, I'm going to have some doubts about his just his overall performance as a, uh, you know, no doubt about it, two-time Super Bowl MVP. Should be headed to the Hall of Fame. But, sir, if he has another season like he did last year, the Giants are still going to be a eight and eight, nine and seven type team. He needs to step up and play like the MVP, the Super Bowl MVP that he is. No, you're absolutely right about that. Um, I, I definitely agree with you on that, sir. But you know, the defense was a huge problem for them last year, and the fact I think the defense is going to make an amazing, you know, turnaround this year. You know, they've let some guys go. You know, they brought some guys back. I think that the Giants have made the types of moves that they need to make, sir. And, uh, you know, honestly, if JPP can come back to form, that's going to be a great thing. Um, you know, their biggest, you know, Walter Thurman, like I said before, you know, Dominic Rogers Camardi, these guys are just big moves. You know, Mokamora uh, is going to be gone. Uh, Terrell Thomas is going to be gone. You know, you've got, you've got, you know, Will Hill in here, and Troll Roll. I mean, the Giants are going to have such a powerful defense, again, barring injury, that it'll make up for some of the misgivings that Eli has on the other side of the football. But you're right, Eli definitely needs to step it up, or else the Giants are not going to go anywhere. Sir, I mean yep. that that's an absolute fact. But um, and then again, when... it's exciting as a Giants fan to see them making some big moves. It's true, and still the offseason is still not over, so they still can make some more moves. But when you look at the Jets, they signed Aaron Decker. They needed a wide receiver, but what's weird about the Jets is that they had so much money under the cap, and they need to fill another another need, which was cornerback, and they let Darrell Rivas go to the New England Patriots, so now the Jets have to face him twice a year. And they let, like you said, Antonio Rogers cromartie to the Giants. Um, not their rival, per se, but... The Jets really needed a cornerback, and they let two good cornerbacks go to their one to their hated rival and one to their, their the ones that they share a stadium with. So to me, it's a little oh, puzzling. That's right. That's right. Let's talk a little bit about who ended up in the great state of Massachusetts, sir. Darrell Weavis did. I mean, again, the guy got a $12 million contract. The Jets were, uh, I think, somewhere between 30 to $35 million under the cap. They could have thrown him a $13 million contract, and he would have came there. I think, you know, he was looking for the most money. And the Patriots gave him $12 million. Um, rumors about Rex Ryan loving to play with uh, Darrell Reeves again, I guess that went to hell because he went to the Patriots, uh, the hated rival of the New York Jets. So uh, I guess he's really wanted to stick it to Rex Ryan the Jets now because uh, he will be playing with them twice a year. So I know that, like I said, the offseason is not over yet, but the Jets need to fill a cornerback, and they let two great ones get away. No, definitely, sir. You're absolutely right. Um, and, you know, Revis being in, in a Patriots uniform, I'm sure it's going to be like a kick in the genitals for a lot of uh, Jets fans. And, you know, I also forgot about the Giants making a move, bringing Trenton Holiday in here, who's going to be a wide receiver, but mostly a punt returner. And he made some pretty good moves there last year, uh, also with the uh, with the Broncos. So the Giants really went out there and made some moves. I mean, you, you mentioned Eric Decker. There was a lot of talk on, uh, you know, on the Twitter about a bunch of women following the Jets because of Decker. I mean, is this guy supposed to be a ladies' man or something? I mean, am I missing something here? He's a good wide receiver, but let's not forget who was throwing him the ball last year. It was Mr. Peyton Manning, Mr. Uh, you know MVP of the regular season. So when Geno Smith, when you look at Geno Smith, I, I mean, he might have a a better year than last year because he was a rookie last year. But um, again, Peyton Manning, Geno Smith, I think 
Eric Decker was a product of uh, Peyton Manning throwing him the ball. Well, I mean, I hope I'm wrong. Prove me wrong, Eric Decker and Geno Smith, but that's just my thought right now. But I got two more nuggets, sir, so let's get to them real fast. So today was the big press conference for Phil Jackson to save the New York Knicks franchise. He's the team president, making like $15 million a year for the next five years. He's going to assess the team at this point. Uh, I think the whole thing is a complete and utter joke. I'm not a Knicks fan, of course, and you're a somewhat lukewarm Knicks fan. So Phil Jackson's finally here. It's official. Any thoughts on that, sir? Yeah, I think it's amazing. It's amazing how long it took for Phil to be here. I've been hearing about this for weeks now. Um, you know, I think it's a good move. I think that you know Phil, you know, will be a good influence in the franchise. I mean, he was a Nick. You know, a few championships he won here, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Or was it one championship? I forget. I know Phil won a championship in a Nick uniform, uh, playing for the Knicks. So I, I think it's I think it's good, but it's more pomp and circumstance than anything else. Jim Dolan is still a terrible owner, and you know it is what it is. I, I don't you know I don't see this making a huge impact, but hopefully it'll have a positive impact. I know that Kobe Bryant was upset about it. And uh, you know, kind of took the uh, the Lakers to task there, but uh, you know, I'm sure we'll have a lot more to talk about in terms of uh, you know Michael Jackson's cousin Phil Jackson. What's the <laughs> other nuggets, sir? Because we we have less than two minutes. Yes, sir. Well, last two nuggets: the ninety, the future ninety win team, the New York Mets, that are going to win ninety wins, ninety games this year. Um, you know, have problems again with John Neese. They have no first baseman. They have Ike Davis that's on the shelf. You're looking at Lucas Duda potentially being the first baseman, and Tejada is batting like 091 in the spring training. So the Mets, with 90 wins, with uh, these holes in the boat, send down Syndergaard and Montero to the minor leagues because they're too cheap to pay them this year. Sir, it's a train wreck. We could discuss them more um, next week or, and as we get closer to opening day. But at this point, sir, they're not going to win 90 games in the next two years. <laughs> I agree with you, sir. You know, the Mets are a franchise that lives in New York, but they feel like they're living in Kansas City or Pittsburgh, spending no money. I mean, that's, you know, a small market team. Like, instead of bringing these guys up to make an impact on the team, let's send them down because they want to control them for a longer period of time. That's not something that a big market team does, but the Mets do it. The Yankees would never do it, but it is what it is. We've got to close this out. spent entirely too much time talking about wrestling. Thanks again to Pat. Thanks again to, you know, Phil, even Uncle Phil from the U.K. Just a pleasure having you guys on. It's the longest show we've done in a long time. Thank you so much, folks. Check us out next week. ShareGoPG.com. Have a wonderful evening, and I need to end this show right now. Woo! And here we go. What's the name of your show? Uh, Pure Gold. Pure Gold? Yes, sir. I got two words for you. Pure (laughs) Gold. You guys are awesome. Good night, everybody. Please Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.